KANJ Radio serves the Delaware River towns of Lambertville, New Jersey, and New Hope, Pennsylvania, as well as surrounding counties Bucks, Hunterdon, and Mercer. Now, there's a great new app for your smartphone to help you get the best deals in Lambertville and New Hope, including restaurant discounts, plus a handy directory of everything happening here, a calendar of events like live musical performances and gallery openings, and listings on everything from where to get the best pizza to the best parking spot. You can download the app for free in no time by searching for Lambertville New Hope on your smartphone's app page. But there's more. Got a business you'd like advertised on the app? Have we got a deal for you. Just go to lnhapp.com, click Choose Your Plan, then submit coupon code PANJRADIO. Our code will save you the $39.99 setup charge. Once again, go to www.lnhapp.com and click the Choose Your Plan, then add the coupon code PANJRADIO to save the $39.99 setup charge on your business listing. The cost to promote your business on the LNH app is just $9.99 per month or $100 for the entire year. And remember, downloading and using the app is absolutely free. And by using the PANJ Radio code, you pay no setup charge. It's our way of thanking you for listening to PANJ Radio, your Delaware River Towns community radio station. Welcome to the Strike Zone, everyone. Jack Furlong, Kurt Maxson here taking your phone call, 609-460-4673. So we were talking about baseball before. We can dive into uh, MLB a little bit more before we move on to some other topics. Um, did you catch any of the, uh, the Mets and the Phillies this weekend, Kurt? It's also Mets. Uh... Mets action. This helps week. if I turn your microphone on. Yeah, that huh? helps yeah. as well. Uh, I never said I was bright, Kurt. <laughs> So, yeah, I did see see the Mets, and they're kind of as advertised. Right, I think you're 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 high on the Marlins, though, aren't you? Well, I I I was high on the Marlins, and then they had the tragedy of Jose Fernandez, right? And I thought that that would set them back a year. Mm-hmm. So I I don't I thought that they were going to compete this year, uh, and then with that, I I kind of said, you know what, it's probably going to be 2018 before they before they start. To I make I still some noise. think that the division is the Nationals to win. I like what I've seen out of the Phillies so far. Right, I've seen a couple games um, outside of the broadcasting. Uh, oh I think God, that, yeah. Well, the, I mean, geez, there's so much broadcasting, so many broadcasting issues these days. So, so listen, listen. So I'm watching the Mets game yesterday. Okay, and I I like Gary Cohen, but. You can keep Ron Darling and Keith, especially Keith Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm with, sick. Of, I'm sick of Keith Hernandez. With Keith Hernandez, every time I hear him talk, all I can think, think of is, is Men, Newman Men. going, "Keith Hernandez." I think of, uh, I despise Keith Hernandez. I think of that men's hair now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he's with Walt Klein Frazier. <laughs> he's sitting. He's sitting on the bureau eating the the popcorn, popcorn while the two the, them in bed. Yeah. yeah. Way to go, Keith. Yeah. Need the money that much, huh? Uh, I think it's just he wants to show off his acting chops. He's like, I, I, I sure can do things since I Seinfeld. am an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so Hernandez starts talking about Satchel Paige. Right. And, you know, typical. He's like, oh, I was in Tulsa, and Satchel Paige was down there, and he'd come to the games, and he was a old guy. He was an octogenarian, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, no, nah, Satchel Paige didn't reach 80. Right. So he wasn't an octogenarian. So I looked it up. He died when he was 75 years old. So then it makes you wonder how much Keith Hernandez actually knows. Really, yeah. 
this really happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there it wasn't was, that category of fake news. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, they and Phil Mushnick of the New York Post is constantly on that team because of how much they gush over Yoannis uh, uh, Cespedes, right? Um, and Craig Carton loves just saying that name, right? Yoannis Cespedes. It's a lot of s's, um, but they they gush over him like to the extent that they more Hernandez than than Ron Darling, right? Her, you know, Hernandez goes, oh, he can turn it on anytime he wants. Well, of course, because he doesn't run to first base normally. Right, right. He can turn it on anytime he wants. Looks like uh, looks like we might have someone on the line. Right. Could be could be Max. Let's find out if I hit this button here. Is that Max on the line? Yes, it is. Hey, Max. Jack Furlong. Uh, Kurt. What's your last name? Kurt Max. <laughs> here on this. Max, uh, Max here to talk some basketball. Hey, Max. How you doing? Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes of your time. Not a problem. Sorry for the delay. Uh, it's quite all right. It certainly happens. Um, well, let's let's. Why don't you start giving us a little bit of an overview of what we've seen thus far? We've only been about one game into each series. What's what has um, stood out? To you. Yeah, stood out to you in, in in what you've seen thus far as we as we just start to tip the touch the tip of the iceberg in in the NBA playoffs. I think the obvious thing to touch upon is the disappointment, and that is with Toronto and the Clippers. Toronto made a great trade at the deadline, well, two rather, Serge Ibaka, P.J. Tucker. They bring that toughness, and they look like probably the deepest team in the Eastern Conference. And then they come out, and true to form, they stink it up in the playoffs. And, you know, you hate to, you know, knock guys who have great regular seasons, but Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, this has kind of become their M.O. They produce great numbers in the regular season. Their stat lines look okay in the playoffs, but they just can't generate the offense that's needed. Now, whether that's a Dwayne Casey problem or their problem, it's it's disappointing to see Toronto come out like that because I know I know Milwaukee is tough to drive on. They have all that length. Santi Kumpo is a superstar in the making, but you know I had high expectations for this team. I thought that they should have made a statement in this series, maybe sweep it, maybe four one because Milwaukee is still so inexperienced. But for them to come out and not show up when the teams around them like Washington and Cleveland have, it's it's kind of disappointing. And then, I mean, transitioning, I guess, Boston as well. You know, obviously you don't hold it against Boston that much. Isaiah Thomas, obviously, in a very emotional position. Right. He comes out, has an incredible game. And to lose to what's basically a one-man show with Chicago and Jimmy Butler, tough way to start the series. Yes. I can't agree. Now, more. The, the, that's the question I have, Max. Is is Boston and what you normally hear about Boston is always, well, Brad Stevens is a great coach. Now they're the number one seed. Obviously, it's more than than Brad Stevens there. But in your opinion, how good are the Celtics? I know that some Celtics fans aren't going to like me saying this, but to me, they're a regular season team. They're a team that gets by on effort, hustle, and coaching, and that's perfectly fine. But at the end of the day, they're a team that only has one guy on the entire roster who can consistently create his own shot, and that's 5'9 Isaiah Thomas. So even when his numbers are great, forget about the numbers. When you put that much pressure on one player in the playoffs, it rarely worked out well. It's why Allen Iverson has that one finals run and he never got back. You need when you get to the playoffs, it becomes all right. How well does your system flourish? And your system depends on how many guys can create offense on those scarce 
possessions where it's a turning point in the game. All right, this team's going on a run. We need a quick bucket. Nobody but Isaiah Thomas can create, and that is hurting them right now against Chicago, which is a telling sign because if it hurts against Chicago, how could they possibly beat Cleveland? Yeah, and I always think that the NBA is kind of a duo-driven league to begin with, and you have your you know, your Batman and Robin type situations. And then to win the title, there's always that third person out there. I think of the Spurs where you have Tony Parker or you had Tony Parker and you had Tim Duncan, but then uh, Mano Ginobili really always stepped up in the playoffs. So to, to me, you know, and that was the beauty of when LeBron went to the to Miami Heat. Now it was LeBron and Dwayne Wade, but you had Chris Bosh there you know, as well. So it's kind of a, to me, a duo thing. And then that third person in in case one of the duo can't produce at a given level in a series. Absolutely. And that's where it comes down to with Boston. Can Al Horford truly justify his contract? Because Al Horford is one of if the analysts out there, the stat guys out there. They love Al Horford because he does everything. He does great in the advanced metrics. But the reality with Al Horford has always been and every Hawks fan will tell you this, in big games he doesn't show up. And the reason he doesn't show up is because he can't create his own shot. And when you're making a max contract, especially under this massive salary cap jump where you're getting paid more than most have ever been paid, you've got to show up. And a city like Boston, you know, they expect greatness. This is the Celtics, 17 championships. And... If Horford's going to get paid like that number one or number two guy, then he has to show up. And if he doesn't, you know, you'd like to think they'll still beat Chicago since they are the number one seed, but they're probably not going to make it much further than that. Max, if you know, I want to, I'm going to give you know Boston the benefit of the doubt here, based upon the tragedy that Isaiah Thomas has gone through, plus with right. the with, with what we just saw in in Game One with the Bulls. Let's say hypothetically that you know based on your reasoning that the, the Celtics are a regular season team, that they, they just can't make it out of the first round for whatever reason. Is the East going right to, to Cleveland at that point? I mean, is this, is this just you know, Cleveland's uh, conference to lose? I honestly think that the conference has been overrated this year. I think that we've seen a lot of teams on the rise, and Cleveland just simply struggled. I mean, they're bottom five in the league in defense, and that's just – what it is, maybe they were coasting. Maybe we want to believe Tyrone Lue when he says that, oh, we're just saving our defense for the playoffs. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if teams can really flick a switch like that. And if they can, then why are we paying for regular season tickets in the first place? Right. But, I mean, Washington, they're a nice team, and they're really nice. They have a lot of good, solid pieces, and they have a whole lot of potential. But I'm not sure that they're there yet. You know, they're still kind of young. Bradley Beal has been injured a lot, so he hasn't been able to develop the rhythm with John Wall until this year that you'd like to see. And Toronto seems to be getting exposed. I think the East is deep. I think it has a lot of talent compared to where it was even two, three years ago. It's significantly better. But I don't think there's really a team in there that can truly challenge Cleveland if Cleveland's playing at its best. And I think the reason is, Who's really the second-best player in the Eastern Conference right now? That's a tough question to answer, not because there are a lot of options, but because there's no one really close to LeBron. And when you consider that, if you don't have a player who can at least hold their own, 
good luck. That makes sense. I mean, I was gonna, I was going to answer Phil Jackson, but I think that's the wrong no, answer. He's not, there, he's so. not play. so we could, we could do process of elimination. Right. So we eliminate. Joakim Noah. Right. <laughs> Carmelo I, Anthony. I, I, right, I think I see where it. you're going with this. So uh, I, I, I don't know. But to Max's point, is, is the next best guy Brooke Lopez? I mean, you can make the case. Someone who's further down than they should be. You know, I, obviously LeBron's in the class of his own right now. But, you know, Paul George is somewhat close. You know, he, he, they always play each other well. But Indiana just doesn't have the firepower. To, if they did, they wouldn't be a seven seed right now. Right, right. So, you know, it, it's just there are few and far between guys who can really go at it. It's like with Isaiah Thomas. Can Isaiah Thomas still put up 30 if LeBron goes, I'm going to guard you for 40 minutes? Can, yeah. you know, John Wall have another 32 and 14 game? And can he do it four times in a series and win those games? Which, the answer is maybe. But we don't have a definitive yes yet, and to me, that's why it's still Cleveland's to lose. And do you think that, um, and, and this this may be strange, but people still have this aura about the Celtics, you know, based on you know who they were, kind of like we do with the Lakers. Yeah, I, I think that they'll always have that. Because they had, you know, to the front office's credit, Boston has always been somewhat relevant, even when they aren't winning. And, you know, Danny Ainge, all things considered, has done an outstanding job if you look at the fact that this team is good enough to win 50 games and they're on pace to have the number one pick in the draft. That's unheard of in this era. But I think they're at the position where it's like, look, You've got to strike gold with that draft pick, or you have to make a trade or multiple trades and get that superstar that you're missing because where's your Larry Bird? Where's your Paul Pierce? Where's your Kevin Garnett, et cetera, et cetera? I love Isaiah Thomas, but he's their only scorer right now, and it's not going to work. It, It never has worked, and in an era where teams are deeper and deeper, and now that we have super teams, I can't imagine Isaiah going, you know, Defense is great in Boston, but I can't imagine Isaiah Thomas going up against Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and pulling out the win. And if he does, that's a legendary accomplishment. And and this draft is kind of top heavy in point guards. Absolutely, and that 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 to me is the ultimate dilemma. If you're Danny Ainge and the best player on the board, in your opinion, is a point guard, do you select that point guard and thus alienate Isaiah Thomas, who just had one of the best individual seasons in franchise history? Yeah, but to, to me, it just doesn't move the ball down the field in terms of building your roster. I agree. Yeah. And that that is going to be the ultimate dilemma. You know, if the Boston is really, they're kind of stuck in limbo right now. They're good enough to make the playoffs with ease, but they're not good enough to make win a championship. And, you know, you don't, want to become those Atlanta Hawks teams that were winning 45 to 50 games every year but never doing much with it. Yeah. Well, Go ahead. Now, uh, in, in the, I guess in the West seems to be maybe a similar dynamic, you know, with Golden State and then, um, you know, several teams that, that are kind of... On that st- periphery, if yeah, you stuck will. In yeah, the, stuck in the middle there, you know, looking to take, obviously, shots at... Um, you know, at Golden State, but I I can't see anybody knocking them off before the finals. Yeah, I, to me, the only way they lose a game is if they let it get away from them. 
Right? You're talking about a team with four all-NBA players in the prime of their career and two MVPs at that, probably the defensive player of the year this year. That team has – it's pretty top-heavy compared to the depth it used to have, you know, losing Bogut and losing Barnes and guys like that. That does hurt, but, you know, Kevin Durant makes up for a lot of that. And what's unfortunate in the West is, you know, Kawhi Leonard has had an incredible year, but, you know, a lot of the guys around him have declined pretty hard. Yeah. And, you know, Tony Parker's not the Tony Parker he used to be. No. And Manu certainly isn't the same Manu <laughs> Nobly, et cetera, et cetera. So you look down the line and you go, you know, Utah's a really nice team, but can they beat the Warriors in a seven-game series? I couldn't possibly envision that happening. That would take the perfect storm. I just think that you're right. Both conferences right now, it's, you know, you have those two teams at the top, and because they're so great, everyone else has had to elevate their own level of play, but they're not quite on the right level yet. It's funny you mention that about Utah because they're the Jazz, and Utah's one state where they don't allow music. So it just, I mean, I'm just kind of wondering how they got to where they are now anyway. So. Well, from New Orleans. Well, yeah, exactly, which is weird. Because, you know, they, that's like when the Minneapolis Lakers moved to Los Angeles where they don't have lakes. I mean, it's just, what, what, the Oakland Raiders moved to Los Angeles and back to Oakland, and nobody in Oakland knew about it, you know. So, so, uh, so Max, you see, you see a Cavaliers-Warriors final again. Yeah, I mean, to, if either of those teams lose, it'll be more that they lost than the other team won, just in the sense that there is a very vast disparity in terms of just talent level between those two teams and the rest of the NBA, and namely the rest of the teams in their conference. I, I just, you know, I, I'd love to see new teams in the finals just because I think change is always good in sports. You know, when you have some new powers come in, it changes it up, makes it more entertaining. But I just I don't see that happening. Okay, so final couple questions before we let you run. Um, the New York Knicks. I guess oh, you got, stole my thunder. <laughs> thunder? What? Oh, thunder. I see what you did there. <laughs> We're talking uh, Knicks, not uh, thunder. I, I apologize for being an idiot. Continue, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> So Phil Jackson had his uh, press conference. Um, Christoph Porzingis blew off his exit interview. Um, I guess there is discussion that Carmelo will indeed be traded um, in the offseason. Um, I mean, what do you make of the entire situation? I mean, it looks, from the outside looking in, it looks really, really bad. I mean, it is. It's, you know, the Knicks are just under James Dolan note that the Knicks have been just a consistent sideshow. You know, it, it, there's always something crazy going on, and you look at it and you're like, why is this even happening? Like, what? Why couldn't Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony have sat down? And wh- whoever bl- the blame goes to, a lot of people think Phil, a lot of think Melo, whoever, sit down and have an honest conversation. Whether that takes you 10 minutes or a couple of hours, you know, an organization is in the balance because of two people, and that's the bottom line here. And one of them has to go if they're not going to come to a resolution, and that shift seems to have sailed. And Phil Jackson just got extended by two years, so it kind of seems like, well, whether he's a scapegoat or he did this to himself, whatever you believe, it seems like Melo has to go because Phil Jackson very clearly wants to execute a youth movement, and Carmelo's about to turn 33 years old. And just from that stance, it just doesn't line up. And, you know, Phil, he could have handled this better. 
handles all of this better. I think he knows that, whether he admits it or not. But this is the situation you're in, and now it just comes down to, look, forget about what happened in the past. Can you or can you not win by building around Carmelo Anthony? If your answer is no, and he is not willing to take a secondary role, then that answers your question right there. Final one from me, Max. Uh, based on all of this, uh, do you see relevant basketball in the greater New York City area anytime in the next five years? I think so. I think Porzingis is the real deal. His work ethic is incredible. This obviously missing the exit meeting is a little concerning, but he is, that's who he is. He's a, front, he's a passionate guy. He's young, but he's wise beyond his years. And he wants to win. And, you know, Hernan Gomez is a great, I won't say great, but he's a good young center to put alongside him. They're friends. They play in Spain together, good chemistry. This is all just going to come down to the same thing it came down to in the 90s, was can you get a point guard who can actually get your big guy the ball? Those Knicks couldn't, and that was the only thing holding Patrick Ewing back. And these Knicks now need to do it, and you have to wonder, are they going to? Or are they going to keep doing the triangle when people don't want to do it? You know, I'm not of the belief that the triangle can't work because I don't think the players ever really bought in. But if you're not going to buy in, then you have to find a new way to do this. And I think that the biggest problem with the Knicks right now, to answer your question, will they be competitive? Well, at some point, the front office and the players and the coaching staff, they have to find a common ground. And until they do that, then the answer is no. My hope Maybe I'm just being optimistic, as they will. Makes sense to me. Kurt, you got anything else? No, thanks. Thanks, Max. Uh, Great insight. Uh, Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, And uh, hopefully we'll uh, touch base later on down the line when we have the Warriors and and, uh, uh, the Cavaliers in the finals again. And we will call Max some sort of soothsayer. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's Max Oxen of Knicks Daily. Uh, Let me get a read out of the way way, real quick. Max's report was brought to you by the OSIP Foundation, where OSIP stands for Outstanding Sportsmanship is Paramount. OSIP hosts various free trivia nights in the area each week. This week, Pizzeria Uno in Deptford, New Jersey, Wednesday 6 p.m. We got a couple of minutes. You want to real quick touch on the Rangers before we sign off? Well, you know, it's eerily reminiscent of the Tortorella years. Yeah. Where Vigneault is such a, uh, a coaching style that really they sat back. They, they could have grabbed the series by the throat. Right. In Montreal, they sat back. Montreal came at them in waves scored with 17 seconds left, then lost in overtime, which was just a continuation of the third period in waves, and the Rangers had no answer. Right. And and the problem I see is that there's offensive talent on the Rangers, and Vigneault, Elaine Vigneault, you know, had them kind of in a defensive shell. They rely on Lundqvist too much, and it's, it's like they're so afraid of making an offensive mistake that they're paralyzed. You know, Tortorella used to have the same criticism of, Chris Kreider, you know, how come is it when, when Rick Nash came to the Rangers, he stopped scoring goals? It, it, it just seems like, you know, Tortorella's system is very similar to Vigneault's system, and it's all defense all the time. And what was even worse is that, that AV didn't put a priority on, on grit and toughness until it came to the playoffs, and now he's got to inject guys into the lineup 
God bless Tanner Glass. The guy got sent down to the minors, mm-hmm. and he's been one of their most effective right. forwards yeah. over the last you know, two weeks of the season and playoffs. And they sat him in the minors because they're of the no- notion that he can't skate. Well, guess what? Michael Grabner can skate like the wind. But it, if he's not making plays, what good is he? It's just like that whole turn it on once the playoffs come. Well, then what are we buying the regular season tickets for? That But to me, it's like a whole philosophy that they had. Right. And that, you know, Mika Zibanejad has, has not panned out. They gave up Derek Broussard, who was a very effective playoff center. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dying of a thousand cuts. You know, thankfully, Jimmy VC has stepped up his game as a rookie. Um, but, I, you know, I put this one on Vigneault because if I'm the players, I'm very confused at this point. I, mean, I don't blame you. I, I think that's fair. I just, I just don't see him bouncing back. And, and he back got an this. extension. Yeah. But I just, I just see them as philosophically, like, what are we? And we, we've taken 82 games plus, you know, now three playoff games, 85 games. We don't know who we are. Right. You should know who you are at that point. Can Vigneault, uh, I, I look, I'm, I'm – Writing them off for for this year, but can he adapt for next year? I, I or have. Or is that is he's just going to be stuck in the mud? I have no idea because what needs to happen at this point is they need to make a major trade to change that dynamic. Right. And we thought that might have been the Zabanajad trade, but from what I've seen, you know, I'd almost want to flip him because tried and true, um, Derek Stepan is their number one center. You know what you're getting, game in, game out. But the way he flips wingers left and right, they don't really have a solid number one line. Mm-hmm. They've got I, – I would put their roster top to bottom against any team in the league, except they just don't have that superstar outside of Lundqvist. Yeah, and you need you, – you I mean, just... McDonough is a, is a good player, but I, I can't put him up there with a Shea, a Shea Weber. I can't put him up there with – Burns in in you know San Jose. I can't put. I can't even put. So him ultimately, with Drew Doughty. Ultimately, they're you, you think they're just one piece away, or is is it one piece and a philosophy? I away? think it's one. I think it's a, a piece or two and philosophy, right? Um, be, because they they have to establish an identity, and I just I don't see it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't see it. It just seems like it just seems like from what we saw in three playoff games already. You're you're left scratching your head. And well, they, they 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 just that third period, you know, and you usually don't see this happen, right? But really changed the entire dynamic of the series. Now, can they come back? Hey, listen, if they go down three one, I'm going to write them off. If they win game two, yeah, this may be a seven gamer. Okay, but, that's fair. <clears throat> you know, I just don't like I just don't like not knowing who you are. 85 games into a campaign. I don't blame you, nor, nor, nor should you have to deal with that because there's a reason you've got 82 games in the first place to, to kind of determine that. And how about Greg Bird getting off the schneid? Finally, he can fly. See what I did there? Bird is the, the word. word. We, we got to get Lou DiPietro back bird, on. Bird, bird, bird. It's, bird it's, is the word. Just make those comments a little bit. So Yes. All right. Well, we'll that'll be in the future. we got some, we got some baseball beat writers coming up in the next couple of weeks anyway, so maybe we'll throw him in there as well. Anyway, that's strike three. I'm afraid this at-bat is over. My thanks to Kurt Mackison. My thanks to Max Ogden of Nick's Daily. Uh, we'll be back to you live next Monday at noon Eastern. Until then, reach us on Twitter at Jack Furlong at KurtMack23, respectively. Be sure to check out the show's blog, osipfoundation.org slash the strike zone, as well as the Facebook page, facebook.com slash strike zone, PANJ radio. Until next time, don't get caught looking in the strike zone. <laughs>